Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to By the Word of Their Testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining me on the program again today. I'm glad that you are able to tune in and listen to our program. I have a very special guest in the studio today. Her name is Liesl Higgins. Liesl, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. It's lovely to have you here. Now, I've been trying for a while to get you and your husband, Emmanuel, to come and share your testimony, but somehow you guys are always busy and you travel around the country a little bit, don't you? Yes. And what you do. Perhaps you can just tell our listening audience what you're involved with at the moment. What do you do? So currently, my husband and I are involved with a group of other young people and mission-minded people, we're living in the Central Coast, okay. doing a range of health and Bible work. Mm. Yes. So the health work could be anything from, uh, you know, healthy cooking. Yes, we've done know, cooking demonstrations. Healthy diets, things that would be approved by, I guess, the, uh, the Heart Foundation. Yes. And even stuff to do with the mind, so the depression recovery. And, yes, and we've got one of those of coming up starting in July. Okay, fantastic. So Dr. Neil Nedley's Depression and Anxiety Recovery Program. And they have a very high success rate with people who have suffered and do suffer from depression and Mm -hmm. also from anxiety. Yes. And that's an increasing ailment in in our modern society, isn't it? Mm, It is. Mm. So I'm actually a little bit involved with you guys as well because we're working on those community programs. Uh, with the hope of bringing some community people together yes. with a spiritual emphasis and then starting a church as a result of that. So, yes. Uh, yeah. So that's quite exciting. Now, you haven't always done that. What we're going to do is just find out where you were born and also the family influence of someone. And then from there, what we're going to do is we'll start telling the story and closing the gap to what you're currently doing. Is that all right? Sounds awesome. Okay, fantastic. Okay, so where were you born? So I was born in the Hunter Valley okay. and I pretty much spent most of my life growing up there. Right. And did you come from a big family? So I've got three sisters. Four sisters? Yes. Well, no brothers? No brothers. Okay, well, that would be a great household to grow up in. <laughs> <laughs> and you're uh, somewhere in the middle, I guess. With the I'm four the sisters. second. You're the second. Okay. And the influences of your family, were you brought up in a Christian family? Yes. I was really thankful that I had parents who loved the Lord and inspired all of us girls to want to love the Lord too. So. That is something more, I'm always thankful for. Absolutely. That is something to be thankful for because there are many people who later in life find the Lord. They've never been brought up with those advantages. Mm. And then they regret that they hadn't have heard about this earlier in their life because their life may have been so much different. Mm. And I guess what that says is if you have those positive influences in the early life and it's something that actually strikes an answering chord within your heart, that you can avoid many pitfalls that many people go through mm. and regret later in life, you know, and it can even go to simple things just like um, substance abuse, for example, mm. or whatever it is, or just an unhealthy lifestyle. Or, yes. Yeah. Because looking at you, look, you look very healthy. <laughs> so your parents obviously would have given you not only a good spiritual environment, but also a good healthy environment in many aspects of, of your life. Yes. Yeah, so we grew up mostly on five acres, so... 
It's a nice okay, outdoor lifestyle. Slightly and, rural yes. environment. Fantastic. Had our own gardens. And, hmm. and so what was, uh, what was it about the way that you were brought up that uh, gave you spiritual encouragement and inspiration? Hmm. I think what encouraged me the most was my dad. He was always really passionate about the Bible. And growing up as a little girl, I always used to be amazed how long he could just talk about it and how enthusiastic he was. And I could see that it was like a real genuine experience for him. And it was something I wanted to realize for myself, like, how could dad be so passionate about the Bible? And I think that was the first influence that really made me want to know what the Bible said for myself. Wow. Okay, because I've heard some stories where people have said, look, my parents were always talking about the Bible and I just found it so boring and I just it was rammed down my throat and mm. it just didn't work for me. So what was it about your experience with your dad and his example in particular that made it so attractive to you? I think he never tried to push down our throats. He was mm. just really excited and passionate about himself. And I think when you're around someone like that, it just you can't help admiring it. Okay, so it sort of oozed, enthusiasm oozed yes. out of it. It wasn't as if he was trying to just force us and say things because he was putting it on or because he had to. Okay, so not a put on. That's a very important part. And the other one is not dry formalism because mm. quite often people will go through the motions but their heart's not in it. The mind's in it. Mm. That's an academic exercise. But what you're telling me here basically is that your dad's heart was in it. He was really enthusiastic about the Bible. Yeah. So how did he share? Did you see the enthusiasm in the way he spoke to it, to other people about it or is it in the way he spoke to you guys as a family about it? Probably mostly as a family because every evening he would do family worship with us and every evening, no matter how his day at work had been, he's always really excited about it. So that uh, was something that was really special. Okay. And so that stood out in your mind and that made it attractive for you. Yeah. Even the times where growing up I wasn't always fully listening to everything he said, I still couldn't help noticing that he was really excited about it. Okay. Because there are some people that would question the biblical model we see for families. Mm. Uh, look at the examples we read in Deuteronomy where the families are to be together and the parents are to talk about the law of God in a positive way, not mm. in a legalistic way, but in a positive way, you know, when yes. they lie down, when they get up, when they walk about and do all their things. And here you have someone like your father who seemed to do that, but do it in a way that you guys found encouraging and attractive. Mm. Well, praise God for that. Now, when you went to school, what was schooling like for you? So I was homeschooled. All your life? Yes, I was. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Did you ever feel that you ever felt that you missed out on you know a social environment because you were homeschooled? And you didn't have a horde of kids uh, to share the classroom with. I was always a social person, so I really enjoyed opportunities to get together with friends and church and. Also, I got along with my sisters really well. We spent a lot of time together, so okay. that helped a lot. Fantastic, because I can attest uh, now that I've uh, learned to uh, get to know you a little bit better that you are a very social person, <laughs> but you didn't really feel that you missed out. You, you saw the advantages of the homeschooling process. Yes, I guess for the most part. Yeah, there okay. probably was a stage where I wondered what it would be like to be at school. Of course. But Everybody wanders about the unknown at times, don't yes. they? <laughs> but uh, you you obviously, because you're degree qualified, mm. now you can't homeschool that, can you? I guess you probably could correspondence, but you went to university? Yes, yes. Okay. So that transition from homeschooling uh, to university, was that a big step for you? Not really. I found it a lot easier, the uni workload, than what we had to do at home, so I kind of liked it. Really? Wow. You know... Um, 
I'm just very curious. My uh, two nephews were homeschooled for most of their life, except for one for one year of his school in Korea and the other one for three years of his school in Korea. And um, they would knock out the schoolwork in an hour and a half, two hours, no more than two and a half hours in a day. But then they also would spend a lot of time with their dad in the woodwork shed and tinkering with cars and going to museums and doing bits and pieces mm-hmm. like that. So their education was a lot of fun. Yes. Compared to sitting in the classroom for six hours. Yes. Um, but the first time he actually went into a classroom, he said that was the six longest hours of his life. And I think he was about 15 at the time okay. when he went in there. Uh, so did you guys actually had a, quite a solid homeschooling program then? Yeah, we had quite a lot of hours where we studied. And I think the further I got through high school, I really liked studying. So I really enjoyed just spending pretty much the whole day between studying and in the afternoon. I spent a long time doing music practice. So, Okay, so music was a big component of your education? Yes. Okay, fantastic. Now, there's some people who just do not like study and some people that do. Do you think that your homeschooling or the way that you were trained through, I guess, your mum, mm-hmm. had a, a influence in regards to having a joy for learning new things that you didn't know before? Yeah, I guess so. Mm, because there's something exciting about knowing something that you didn't know before and, and retaining it. Mm. Yeah. Because there's some people who like learning new stuff, but when you formalize it in an educational environment, all of a sudden they just feel like they're losing out on having fun somewhere else. Yes. <laughs> okay. Very good. So how was, how was university for you? And what did you study? So I studied music. And okay. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was doing a double major in piano and violin. Okay, so you're um, an accomplished musician when it comes to violin and piano. I couldn't really decide which was my favorite, so I just decided to do them both. Both, wow. So, I can't recall if I've ever listened to you play the violin, but I've, I've listened to you play the piano. Yes. Matter of fact, at our house one day, I remember you <laughs> playing the piano. And it's not just ordinary piano playing. You make the piano communicate somehow. I don't know how you do it. It's a fun instrument. Yeah. No, it looked like you were having a lot of fun. It was very energetic. I couldn't believe how fast you could make your hands move across all those ivories. So I was quite impressed. So obviously, you, how many years did you how many years did you spend studying? So I studied for seven years at wow. uni. Wow. Okay. And you said the experience was positive for you? Yes. Hmm. Now, you're obviously exposed to influences you wouldn't have had while you were at home. Mm. Um, how did you find that and how did you cope with that? Yes. I think I really was inspired by the story of Daniel and that was something that I really, a story that I really looked up to in the Bible, the Mm. fact that he could go to the courts of the king in Babylon and be surrounded with all kinds of influences and yet excel in his learning and really focus on that, apply himself and still spend time with God as well. And at the end, he was able to be successful, not only in maintaining a close walk with God, but also... In his in his education, mm. and I always thought, well, if God could do that for Daniel, and He could do that today as well. So, I okay. always made it a priority to spend the start of each day with God, to commit that day to Him, and spend a little bit of time in prayer and mm. reading, and then enjoy my studies. Yeah, wow. Yeah, Daniel is a really ins- inspiring character in the Bible. I, I, I'm like you. I've been um, impressed by how he was faithful under some mm. difficult circumstances because mm. you've got all these heathen influences, you've got all these other people, and there's, there were many corrupting influences there. Yes. But somehow he just remained faithful to the Lord. Mm. But he started with being faithful in small things. Yes. I mean, Daniel chapter 1 really sets up mm. his whole life. They were faithful in a little thing like food. Yes. Can you believe it? I mean, the other guys that were also captured, I guess, and brought to 
um, Babylon, they wouldn't have been so worried about it. Mm. But he just wanted to be faithful in the small things. And then the food set him up for faithfulness in the bigger things. Yes. Yeah, so that's encouraging. There's other stories as well. I think of Moses as well. Mm. Uh, his influences. And I think of also of someone like Joseph. And, you know, when you look at the life of Joseph, it's just one life of virtue. Yes. Basically. And then you also have the same with um, with Daniel. There's, we know Daniel had a fallen human nature like us. Yes. So in the Bible, when you read his story, there's not even one um, sin recorded against him. Matter of mm. fact, when they scrutinized his life, they couldn't find anything to hold against him except his faithfulness to God. Mm. And they created a law to make that uh, illegal. It's incredible. Yeah, sorry, but this is your interview. I'm just getting really excited about the story. Oh, I love the story of Daniel. (laughs) Yeah, it's wonderful. So um, while you're at university, um, how do you deal with some of these influences? Because no doubt there would have been some influences that were perhaps a little bit more negative Mm. than positive when it comes to spiritual uh, life. Yes. Mm. I think it's something that I really was inspired with the story of Daniel is that it said he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And I Mm. think... Before going to uni, that was something I really wanted to purpose in my heart, that I was going to stay faithful to God. And so this is something you predetermined before you even started university. Yeah. You said, okay, you, did you expect there would be some temptations and things out there that you yes. hadn't been too exposed to previously? Yes. Okay, so you weren't going there out there with your eyes closed. Mm. You were expecting that there will be different things that potentially could draw you away from God if you let them. The devil always will find things like that around. Yes, true. Yeah. So... For me, being a social person, I found I was quite attracted to spending time with a social group and and hanging out with the friends. And, yeah, it was for me also just a matter of thinking and praying about how much time I would spend, what sort of things I would join in with their social things. And mm, mm. So uh, these would have been like-minded people in some respects. Were they also music students? Yes, okay. yes. So you had something in common with them. Yes. But in regards to the spiritual dimension, you may have had something slightly different. Yes. Theirs might have been a more secular worldview rather than yours. Mm. Okay. So how does a friendship like that work? I mean, I'm just putting you on the spot now, but... Um, <laughs> You guys got on well anyway? Yeah, we got on well. Hmm. And I got to talk about my faith a bit with them and some of them. I remember one of my good friends, I shared one of my favorite little books I had, which was Little Steps to Christ. And I'm not exactly sure what she thought of it, but she seemed to like it. So I was open about that I was a Christian. So. And they accepted it. So yeah, they, they were accepted. Was, there was no need to hide any of that no. anyway. No, yeah, yes. Christians typically, I mean, they should be loving and lovable Christians and they should be quite overt about that. Yes, and I'm not over the top, but uh, you know, we don't need to hide it, do we? Mm. Mm. And I think it's a lot easier when you don't try and hide it. True, true. Now, you said that you purposed in your heart just like Daniel did, mm. right, before you went to university. So had you – it sounds like it, and I'm just asking the question. So had you had made a decision prior to that mm. to follow the Lord in yes. all things? Can you perhaps just talk us through that? I mean, sometimes it's a defining moment in some people's lives. But typically, this is my experience, and I could be wrong, but my experience typically from listening to people's testimonies like yourself is when they have had good Christian influences in their home and their upbringing, quite often they can't define one point as such. It's just a consistent journey walking towards Christ continually, mm. and it's the most natural decision to make. So explain your decision and, and the process you went through. Yes. Well, I definitely would fit into that category. I can't really pinpoint any specific day where something miraculous changed in my life. 
it was kind of just a gradual appreciation of Christianity and the longer I lived, the longer, the more I realised that that was what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a Christian. Mm. And Because you saw it so beautifully demonstrated in your family through your, through your parents and your dad, especially you mentioned before. Mm. And I think the fact that he loved the Bible meant that I started reading and I think that really inspired me. And I read some other accounts of people who gave their lives to Christ that really impacted me a lot. A sea captain, Joseph Bates, talked okay. about his conversion experience. And when I was reading about it, it was really inspiring. I'm like, oh, I so want an experience like that. And then there was another one, a young girl who was converted at a similar age that I was at the time. I was about 11. And her name was Ellen Harmon. And she just talked about the struggle she had how much she desired to be a Christian and and then her process of becoming a Christian. And as I read it, I'm like, wow, I just really want to experience that for myself. Like, I don't want to just be happy with the fact that my parents are Christians. I really want to be a Christian too. And I really wanted the assurance that my sins were forgiven and that I was accepted of Christ too and that he was my saviour, mm. not just my dad's saviour or anything like that. Yes. And so I remember one day after reading these accounts, I'm just like, all right, I'm going to try and have an experience like this. And I was expecting this incredible change in feelings or something because to happen. You're, you're reading about these incredible experiences other people had of conversion and giving mm. their life to the Lord. You're so inspired by it. You find it attractive. And you think, well, I want that for myself mm. as well. Okay, so sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so I found a place on our property where I thought I would be completely undisturbed and I didn't think anyone would find me. And I just went up there and I just prayed a lot and I just like begged God with like tears. I'd just be like, forgive me and I really want to be converted. I really want to be a Christian. And I just told him what was on my mind and heart. And I repeated the process day after day for like two weeks. And I definitely know that God blessed and I received a measure of peace from that. But I think there were a few things that I just really didn't understand as a young girl at the time. Hmm. And the most crucial thing I didn't understand was faith. The fact that right from that very first prayer, right from me telling God my first desire, that God was right there listening, answering right from the start. And I remember one day I was kind of struggling with the whole question of, am I really accepted? Am I, am I really forgiven? Am I really right with God? Mm. And Can I ask you the question? Um, so you're struggling with whether you accepted and whether you were really forgiven. Mm. What was it that made you doubt? Because that will probably be a common thing for a lot of people. You know, they go through this process where they come to the Lord, mm. maybe say a prayer and that. What were you expecting and what didn't happen that made you doubt? I think I was expecting some incredible feeling I'd never experienced before in my life or okay. something like that. Hmm. The reason I'm asking is because I've gone through the same thing. Yes. <laughs> gone to the Lord and you expect something to happen. It just hasn't happened. And you go, yes. why isn't it? Mm. So then how did you get past that? Well, what encouraged me, I I decided to eventually um, talk to my dad about it. Hmm. And I think for a young girl, that's a big thing to open up your mind to someone because I was afraid to share the conviction I was feeling under. Yes. But, yeah, I talked to him and... He sympathized with me and prayed with me. And yes, he he just told me of the Bible promises and just really encouraged me to believe it. And one of the ones that really stood out to me that he said was the one, him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. 
And he just told me that our Savior, though he's not on earth today, is exactly the same as then, Hmm. that he would never cast anyone out who came to him and gave me that assurance from the Bible that Christ would never cast me out if I came to him. And when I was thinking of that verse for the first time, it really impacted me a lot because I'm like, wow, this is a promise that he really will accept me. And, yeah, some of the other ones that really impacted me, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. The thought that God has promised his forgiveness, he's pledged his word to to do that if we just simply confess. Mm. And, yeah, my dad mentioned to me, he's like, the point in Martin Luther's life where he changed from, like, looking at his, himself and doubting to the point where he became a great man was when he took his eyes off himself. And a friend said to him, take your eyes off yourself and look to Christ. And then he said to me, Liesl, just take your eyes off yourself and look to Christ. And he repeated great that advice. to me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There were a few times I went to him where I was kind of struggling with it. And pretty much every time he would tell me those words, take your eyes off yourself, look to Christ. And... Yes, since then I've come to realize the Bible is true and feelings do come, but they come after you believe the Word of God. That's right, because the, it's the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Love, joy, mm. peace, and so forth. But fruit doesn't come on a tree that has just been planted. Yes. You've got to have it planted, and then the fruit comes afterwards. Mm. Sometimes we expect the fruit before the seed has been planted. Mm. And the seed we're referring to really is the Word of God, because you're saying your dad pointed you back to the Word of God. He told you what Jesus is like, that if you come to God through Christ, that he will by no means cast you Mm. out. So you actually then just simply believed Mm -hmm. the word of God is true, took it at face value. And based on that belief, then the experience and the feelings you thought would come before that Mm. came after you believed. That's it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's that is such an important point that faith comes by hearing. Mm. We're told in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So you were praying to God, you were sincere, you were already accepted in the Lord. Mm. But what happened is you knew that only because the word of God said so. And mm. when you believed God's word, then that became a reality in your life. Yes. And then, then the, the feelings came afterwards as well. That's right. Because the Bible tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. And which is another way of saying is actually we walk by faith and not by feelings. Yes. Because, I mean, one morning you wake up, you feel fantastic mm-hmm. on top of the world. The Lord's smiling on you. And the next day you maybe not feel so well. Mm. And the Lord says, I'm the Lord, I change not. That's it. So, okay, fantastic. That's something that I love about the Bible, just the power of its promises. Like when God speaks... Miracles happen. Mm. Like when God says, let there be light, there's light. When God says, you know, Lazarus, come forth, he comes forth. It's like whatever God says happens. And there's so many verses in the Bible. And I believe when I read the Bible, it's like God's voice speaking to my soul. And, yeah, so when I read something or a promise in there and I claim it, I believe that it will happen just the same as that's true. Miracles in the Bible. Well, the, the Bible tells us that the um, that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. That's why Paul says he's not ashamed of it, mm-hmm. because the Word of God, whether we find it in the written form, so it's it's we see it as ink on pages, but of course it is the living Word of God. Mm. It's enthused with the the Spirit of God and His life, and the same power that existed, like you were saying, in creation when mm. God said, "Let there be light," is in these words when we believe them as well. Mm. Basically, by faith, we undo what was done through Adam and Eve mm. because they actually stopped believing God and believed something else. Yes. 
And then they're believing in something else. They passed on to their descendants because they had children after this, mm. a, um, I guess, a seed or a, a humanity that questions and that doubts yes. and is not prone to faith. So God's got to work in a special way mm. to actually bring that faith about. And then you quoted First John chapter 1, verse 9. Yes. About Jesus being faithful and just. Yes. There's a, a text. This is the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 9. It says that Christ is the light that lights every man that mm. comes into the world. So that gives us the ability to actually exercise faith. And we undo what Adam and Eve did through unbelief. Yes. Is redone through faith in Christ and his word and in the word of God. So, mm. yeah, that's that's wonderful that you brought that out. So you start exercising faith. And by exercising faith, you experience the fruit of the spirit, which is mm. love, joy, and peace. And uh, what happens subsequent to that that experience with you starting to walk by faith now? Hmm. Well, I think it's just a beautiful journey from there because hmm. when you take God's promises just as they are and rely upon them, you realize that they bear your whole weight. Every promise of God's word will hold you up. And then it just becomes a journey of enjoying God's presence, enjoying the word more because you realize what that word has done for your life. And... Like the psalmist says, in his presence and in the presence when you're spending time in the word yes. and just being with him, it's fullness of joy and his right hand pleasures forevermore. Mm. So you knew that there was fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore in the presence of God mm. because you saw it modeled by your dad. His enthusiasm for God's word, his enthusiasm for the relationship that he had with God. Mm. And you found that so attractive that you wanted that for yourself as well. Yes. Praise God for that. And praise God for faithful parents that can raise you up and then also at the same time prepare you for the world. Because quite often people will say, but listen, if you're homeschooled, you haven't lived the real life there. You've been sheltered and you've been shielded from what the world is really all about. But you, when you left homeschooling and you went to university, secular campus, you went in with your eyes open knowing that there will be influences there would be contrary to your principles and your relationship with the Lord. And you just purpose in your heart that you'll be faithful to God, come with mm. me. So um, we've just about to run out of time for our first half of our program. As, as far as that's concerned, um, what do you think gave you the strength to do that? The strength to? To make that decision, to make that purpose, your purpose in your heart. I think just seeing how beautiful the Christian life is makes you realize that you don't want anything else and that you just want to be faithful. It's like God had been faithful to me all my life, and I wanted to stay faithful to him. Okay, so you tasted. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You knew Mm -hmm. that the Lord was good. Yes. You had plenty of joy, and you had a fulfilled life, Mm. purpose in your life, and you didn't want to walk away from that because you found something really special. Mm. Wonderful. Well, dear listener, you're listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest in the studio is Liesl Higgins. We're just going to take a short break here, and we'll be right back after this message. Stay tuned. In the early 1990s, three teenagers in West Memphis, Arkansas, were convicted of a horrendous crime. They became known as the West Memphis Three, and when the trial was over, two of them were sentenced to life in prison, and the other was sentenced to death. Over time, doubts arose about their guilt, and almost 20 years after being imprisoned, they were released. But there was a twist. The state of Arkansas arranged their release in such a way that the men would first have to plead guilty to the crimes of which they were accused. So they pled guilty, maintaining their innocence all along, and then went free. 
One reason they agreed to plead guilty and then go free rather than continuing to fight to be proven innocent is that it would mean that the one of them on death row could immediately go free. Now, the parallel is obvious. 2,000 years ago, an innocent man became sin, guilt, for the human family. And although Jesus did not plead guilty, He accepted the charges against Him so that others, that's you and me, could go free. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. The just suffering for the unjust, Jesus dying for us. I wonder if you can imagine the shame Jesus must have endured. If His death had happened today, He'd be all over the TV news channels and talk shows and the internet. They'd be blogging about Him as people do, and they'd be writing horrible things. No question He endured the equivalent of that back then, and maybe more. But Jesus went through with it, the just suffering for the unjust, the innocent accepting a guilty plea, so that others, you and me, could go free. The difference is there aren't many people anymore who think that the West Memphis Three are guilty. In their case, the innocent went free. In our case, we go free, even though we're guilty. We've got a lot to be thankful for. I'm John Bradshaw for It Is Written. Let's live today by every word. Dear listener, you are listening to By the Word of the Testimony. Thank you for staying with us during the break. My special guest in the studio is Liesl Higgins, and she's been sharing her life journey, her testimony, how she was raised, the influences of her parents, her dad in particular, his enthusiasm for his relationship with God and for the Word and studying that and how that rubbed off on her, and she wanted to have that same enthusiasm in her life. She was homeschooled, then went to university. There were some influences there which were a little bit contrary to the way she was raised, but she purposed in her heart, according to her words, that she would remain faithful just like Daniel did. Now, Liesl, you're at university, you're studying. Are there any, you're studying music. Yes. Are there any um, influences there that may uh, take you away from music and take you into a, a different field at that time? Well, at the end of my undergraduate studies, I got into physiotherapy and I decided I wanted to then do some physiotherapy. Okay. So that was going to be another four years. But then at the same time, I kind of just found out that I got the university medal for music and I got offered a big scholarship and a few incentives with music to continue postgrad. So I ended up deciding to switch and continue postgrad. Fantastic. And yeah, I went to Sydney Uni for the next three years to finish that. Wow. So how many years at Newcastle? So I university? spent four years at Newcastle Uni. And then three in Sydney. Yes. Okay. But you were enjoying your music, obviously. Yes. So this was a great incentive to have that scholarship, that big yes. scholarship, and then go and finish your studies on that. Yes. Okay. So we forget about uh, physiotherapy then and yes. you're full-time into the music. And uh, finally, when you graduated, what happened? Did you start a career in music? I did do a lot of teaching along the way. Okay. I taught... Income-producing teaching? Yes. Okay. So I taught at Newcastle Conservatorium and then later at Sydney Conservatorium. Hmm. And in various private schools and stuff along the way. Okay. So this is teaching both violin and piano? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. And uh, you're obviously doing something a little bit different now to yes. what you've been trained to do. Yes. Can you just talk us through that? So you're in the middle of this career. It looks like it's a wonderful career. It produces plenty of income. There mm. wouldn't be a shortage of income. Doing yes. That. What starts happening in your mind that you start to consider something else? Hmm. I guess as much as I loved study, I loved learning things new, I loved I loved music, I really felt a desire to do something different in some ways as well because I just really wanted to 
have people experience how beautiful Jesus was. And mm. I've done little bits of mission work along the way. Well, little bits, what do you mean? You know, just some stuff with the church or yeah. something a little bit more than that? Like preaching in an evangelistic campaign, just talking about the Bible, things like that. Wow. A bit of youth so counseling, you, things like that. So youth counseling and also you've been up the front preaching. Yeah. Okay. And I think just seeing people, you know, making decisions or seeing that interest awakening people just really impacted me. And I'm just like, I would love to do this on a much bigger scale. And yes. Had this the main purpose in my life. Yeah. And I guess the privilege that I'd had of being able to know Christ was something that I valued highly. And I realized so many people in Australia just don't have that opportunity. They just don't know mm. what Christ offers. And I really wanted to devote my life more into helping people realize how beautiful Jesus is and that there's so, so much more to life than money or career. There's something so much more satisfying. And yes, I then, around the time when I was finishing my studies, I met my future husband. Well, okay. I'd kind of met him before, but we kind of. So you were acquaintances from a younger age? Yeah. Okay. And he was full time in mission work as well, which was something I was really excited about because that's what I really wanted in a future, mm. a future partner. And. So you, did you stumble across him or was it something that you had committed to prayer? Um, just maybe talk us a little bit <laughs> through that process. Yes. Well, it definitely was something I'd committed to prayer. Mm. Something I felt and like... And you had good reason to do that. I guess there were probably more than one or two persons on the horizon. Potentially there may have been an interest as far as you know, marriage and so on in the future. Yes. Yeah, different young men would communicate. or. Mm. And it was something I realized because like... You're so young and inexperienced at the time you have to make that decision and it affects your life. Your whole life, that's right. It's just like it always seems a funny thing that the biggest decisions that affect the rest of your life you have to make when you're the least experienced. And So true. So I felt like I really wanted to pray a lot. And mm. so pretty so much. you're seeking God's wisdom now because you feel that you lack the experience mm. to make the decision just on your own. Mm. Mm. So before Emmanuel even came into my life, I was spending a lot of time just praying and wanting to know what God's will was and asking that he would guide in his perfect time and way. And mm. I knew he'd always been faithful in my life up until that time. Yes. So, you know, that verse that says, The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Yes. And I knew that even if that meant waiting a long time or whatever it meant, that God would be faithful God to will those words. Provide with a life partner that also loved the Lord mm. and was interested in mission. Yes. Right. Now, you uh, told me previously that you were interested in mission from a, quite a young age. Yes. And of course, now your experiences through the time when you've been sharing Christ and people have made decisions for the Lord, that really excited you. Yes. But your career is going down the path of music, and uh, there are some other suitors that come from time to time. But you're looking for something probably a little bit more specific, somebody that's not just, I guess, a lukewarm Christian. You want somebody that's really dedicated and yes. also has that interest in mission rather mm. than just you know doing that on the periphery. Mm. And then Emmanuel comes along, and do you recognize this as a potential answer to prayer at that stage? Can you maybe just <laughs> touch on that a little bit, if you don't mind? Yes. So I'd met Emmanuel when I was probably about 11 or so. Okay. We'd met at a Bible camp, and... At that stage, I really wasn't thinking anything about marriage. Mm. The but, but thing, young. <laughs> yes. 
the thing that I had noticed, I remember at one of the early camps, was him just sitting down reading his Bible. And for me as a social person, I'm just like, why at camp when you can talk to all your friends, would you just be sitting down reading your Bible? Like, he's a young boy and, like, that's what he wants to do in his free time. And I remember that kind of impressed me. But aside from that, I really didn't think any more of him particularly. And then as he has passed on, he, from the age of about 16, was involved in full-time ministry and dedicated his life to, to service in various forms. Yeah. And... A few years later, when I was really keen to try out canvassing, he was my first canvassing teacher. Oh. And so this is doing yeah door-to-door work, taking Bible books to people. And, and we, were you where were you as far as your studies or your career was concerned? Were you at the university yes, at the time? Yes, okay. I was at uni at the time. Right. So, yes, that was something that really impressed me because... I went out that particular day expecting, you know, if I got one or two Bible books out into the home, that would just be incredible. And there was a whole string of incredible experiences. One lady just started crying and was just like so thankful. And just in a few short hours, so much happened. And I'm like, wow, this mm. this life devoted to Christ is really a powerful thing. So that was really a very positive experience for you the first time you went out. Yes. And you and Emmanuel going together? Door to door? Yes. Okay. So this is probably maybe a few years before we actually started a relationship. Mm. And then he was involved a lot in youth work, doing youth camps and stuff. And in 2015, probably must have been, I was involved in one of the music camps that he did. And I think that's where I saw a lot more that I appreciated about him and probably for the first time really realized that this was everything I had ever wanted and prayed for in a man. Mm. But I had no idea if he was interested in me until a few months later when, yeah, he contacted me and my dad and he made his interest known as well. Okay. Wow. Oh, that's exciting. started our friendship. Hmm. So he probably would have been praying from his perspective as well and you were praying and the Lord brought you together. Mm. Because one of the things I hear quite often and it amazes me how often I hear it from both sides, both male and female, mm. is that there's nobody in the church as yes. far as the opposite sex that would be a person compatible enough for them to get married to. Yes. And quite often they'll say it in the perspective of just there's not enough talent. Mm. And sometimes from the perspective of, listen, I'm looking for a spiritual person, but people are lukewarm Christians mm. and I need more than that. So here you found someone, because I know he's got an interest in music as well. You found somebody here that was missionary Focused. He has mm. a missionary spirit from a very young age. Yes. And that has really been important to you mm. even from a young age, amongst some of the other things. But this was something that was always in your mind. Yes. Wow. So you guys uh, become friends. Now, what happens? Your music. Because uh, you've got this beautiful career in music. Mm. You're not so much involved in that, although you still play from time to time. We get to enjoy your music. Uh, what happens? Talk us through that. Yes. So I was finishing off my studies, finishing off my master's when we started our relationship. And so for a little while we had a long-distance relationship. And he was working at Cedarvale Health and Lifestyle Retreat down in Kangaroo Valley, Hmm. which is a really beautiful place. It's like set on many acres of rainforest and orchards and just green, misty waterfalls. Wow, sounds beautiful. One of the prettiest places, I reckon. Mm. And, yeah, he was working there, and a position came up to work in the kitchen as a cook. And he 
thought of me. He's like, this could be a way for us to be able to see each other every day. It's a cunning plan, but you're <laughs> this accomplished musician, and now you're going to go and be a chef. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, were you a good cook at that point of time already? I mean, I had to learn a lot when I went down there. <laughs> okay. I mean, I always loved cooking. Yeah. Okay. My mum cooks lovely food, and I always admired her cooking, but I could certainly not cook anything like I'm, my mum. I never tasted your mum's food, but I have tasted your food, and uh, based on I have to say, you guys are very good. Yeah, excellent. The best vegan food I've tasted has come from Liesl. And the food that she's producing, obviously you learned that from your mum as well. And at Cedarvale, they would mm. have given you some good good tips as well. I had a very patient chef that I was working under. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, so you give up a career in music to become a chef, but for reasons broader than that, because obviously there's someone who's interested in you, you're interested in them. And also there's this missionary focus that you have, and he has as well, and you share that passion for the Lord's work. Yeah, so working at Cedarvale in the health Health lines was something I really enjoyed, and I did actually continue some music teaching on the side. Okay. So I so got you, okay, you got a little a, bit of both. Yeah, at a private school, and and you had previously told me that you were interested in health. At one stage, you were considering being a doctor, mm. and of course, there was also what we mentioned previously that you were considering physio as well. Yes. So now you're getting some health components of that, not quite exactly <laughs> the same, but it's you know it's prevention in a lot of yes. respects, or just helping people, uh, treating people who have got sick. Mm. Okay. So do you get involved in that aspect of it as well, or is it mainly just the the good, healthy food that the patients require? It was mainly the food, Okay. yes. Hmm. So you're there for a, uh, a couple of years? Yes, I was there for two years. And then at the end of 2017, we decided we were going to have a different change in our life. Hmm. And, yeah, we wanted to do some more full-time mission work. Okay. And... We decided we were going to join a team of our friends who also had a similar desire and go to some of the places in Australia, especially some outback places and places that didn't really, I guess, get enough exposure to Christianity mm. and to be missionaries doing that sort of work, which was a real change for me because it was the first time that I'd spent a lot of time camping, living on the road, experiencing wow. a totally different lifestyle to what be. I'd grown up with. Definitely. So how did you uh, adapt to that? Was it difficult? or was it, it was difficult at first. Mm. And I remember for a little while I was like struggling with the process of realizing I needed to surrender and I needed to just be willing to go anywhere and be anything. Mm. That would be the greatest blessing to be able to help. And it wasn't until I spoke to a missionary friend one day and she told me of a similar journey she was going through and of her surrender and her funny piece in the lack of security for the future and everything like that. And I ended up then going and spending a lot of time with God, and I'm just like, I really want to commit this to you. Mm. I want to be a missionary, or I always have. And even if it means not the same kind of financial security and all these other things that I was kind of used to in my life, I'm willing. And from that time, I had perfect peace, and I loved the year. It was the best year of my life so far. Wow. And... Yeah, I, so this is 2017. We're this is about? 2018. 18. And the experiences in that year are just so priceless. Mm. Just being able to be with someone when they're on that decision of deciding whether they'll give their life to Christ and see them make a decision for baptism and see them find peace in Christ and be able to pray with someone for the first time. And mm. these sorts of things were just moments that I treasured so much. Wow. 
So you uh, learn to exercise faith at a young age, trusting the word of God. Now God is giving you a new experience where you're actually walking away from a more stable income base mm. to now being in a missionary and in many respects living by faith because yes. the income stream is, is varied. Yes. I mean, you're selling books for a living pretty much mm-hmm. and then just living by faith and the Lord provides. Yes. Um, that transition, is that part of you saying it was difficult to start off with or was it just the fact that you're a little bit more transient and you don't have a fixed abode as such? Probably a bit of both at first. Right, okay. Yes. And looking back on it now, Mm. you told us that that was one of the best years of your life. Mm. So when you made that decision and said, leave it in the Lord's hands, Mm. instead of being concerned and being uh, worried about maybe the discomforts, because you don't have the comforts of home like you did in the past, but you were raised with, it's been worthwhile, has it? Absolutely. Mm. Would you recommend it to anybody who's thinking about doing it? Definitely. Now, to enjoy it, what did you have to do in your mind or your relationship with the Lord? Is there, is there things that could have gone the other way and say, oh, if I didn't do this, then mm. I may have not continued with it? Yes. I think contentment is a choice. And like Paul said, I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. Right. And I realized that if I just surrender this to God and just make the most of this, that I could have a lot of fun. And, yeah, it was just awesome because – Putting aside those fears, trusting in God and just focusing on the work before me, it was really fulfilling. And hmm. Now, in, in this work that you're doing, obviously you're coming across a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Being social, that's probably quite an enjoyable experience, meeting people mm. as you go. Uh, the most enjoyable experiences, uh, can you maybe just tell us a little bit about that? Mm. Yeah. Oh, there's so many incredible experiences. I know... One person I met that really impacted me was out and out back Queensland. And I went up to her door and I said, I'm a gospel worker and I love the Lord. That was your entry yes. comment to this lady. Yes. Do you typically say that? Not always, but okay, sometimes, but sometimes I do. you just feel it's appropriate to do it. This okay. particular day, I'd spent a lot of time praying at the start of the day and I really just wanted to focus more on the spiritual side of things. Yes. And right near the start of the day, one of the first houses, I kind of slipped through one of the stairs. The Some of the stairs in Queensland were, I guess, not very well maintained in okay. the country outback areas. Sounds dangerous. Yes. And so, like, I had a bleeding leg and I'm just oh. like, I didn't really feel like keeping on going, but I'm like, Satan's trying to discourage me earlier early on in my day Hmm. and I'm not going to let this stop me. So I started like deliberately running from door to door and just trying to make sure that this wouldn't stop me. And I then had a whole string of incredible experiences getting to, you know, pray with people and just beautiful opportunities. And then this lady I met at the end of the day was just one of them. And yeah, so I'd said I was a gospel worker, love the Lord. And she's like, I love the Lord too. Hmm. She was right in the middle of a crisis though, a family crisis and so much was going wrong in her life and she just started opening up to me what was going on in her life at the time and she just started crying and I prayed for her and she really appreciated that and I showed her the book, one of the books that I had, The Ministry of Healing, Mm. which goes through not only physical healing and how Christ healed people physically but also mentally and emotionally and spiritually, of course, as well. Yes. And it's full of beautiful promises and encouragement and she was so thankful to receive that book. And she signed up for Bible studies, so we put her in contact with someone in her local area to follow that up after we left. 
And she just gave me the biggest hug, and she was just, like, so thankful when I left. She showed me through her place, and mm. it's just, like, those few minutes I spent with her is just at a time when she was most struggling. It was a privilege to be at her yeah. door. So for her, you would have been a godsend because she needed that encouragement. If you had not soldiered on in spite of the injury you received early in yes. that morning. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay, so you get all these experiences with the Lord. Are there any other experiences that sort of stand out in your mind where you um, say, wow, that was a, another divine appointment that God had set up? Mm, quite a few. And some of them you don't even recognize fully at the time. I know one man I met, and he was very polite and everything. Mm. He bought one of the books that we had, The Great Controversy, which looks at like the history of the Reformation and Bible prophecy. and. Okay. And I left his door and I didn't really think anything more of him until a few months later when a Bible worker said to me, that man that you met on the door and they explained the situation and they said, he's now coming to our church and he's been really impacted by that. And from reading the great controversy. Yeah, it was just really special that, you know, even an experience where I didn't realize he was particularly impacted Hmm. just from, you know, the book later on. He'd just gone, left the book with someone, he bought it from you. And we quite often say these books are like seed, aren't they? Yes. And then the Holy Spirit waters. Now that God gives the increase, the Holy Spirit waters. And quite often people's lives are dramatically changed. Mm. And it seems like the great controversy um, amongst some of the other great books that you guys sell as well. But the great controversy more than anything else seems to just give people a, a mindset and understanding of the world in which we live. And they can make more sense of it. Mm. Not only looking at the past and helping us understand prophecy from a past perspective, but looking at prophecy into the future. Yes. And what lies ahead for everybody in this world. Mm. Wow. How exciting to be able to have that book and be able to put it into houses where people read the book and their lives are transformed and changed. Yes. Hmm. Now, we've only got a few minutes left, but are there any other stories that come to mind Mm. uh, about experiences you've had now that you've dedicated your life as a missionary in God's service? Oh, there's so many. Remember one door I was at, and there was this man that I was talking to, and I think he he was kind of an atheist, and he hadn't mm. really had an experience with Christ, he hadn't experienced the joy that he could bring. Yeah. And he was fairly opposed to religion, but I just kind of listened to what he had to say and just made a few comments. And then partway through when he was talking, he's just like, that smile. He's like, your religion's obviously done something different to you. And he ended up taking the steps to Christ at the end because he, he wanted to experience that joy too. And that was just a really sweet thing to realize that there are people out there who, you know, aren't happy inside and just want to have the assurance of hmm. that they can be happy too. And that happiness, as we know as Christians, is found really in Christ. Wow. So l- allow me just to summarize that. You were raised in a family where there's something in your dad's life that leaves an impression and go, I want that. I find that very attractive. You then make a decision for the Lord as well that you want to walk with the Lord and have that relationship that you've seen in your father's life. You go through a a very strong uh, training and educational background. You're a little bit of an academic in many respects. Very successful at that, but always have that call that the relationship with the Lord and a missionary and sharing this special thing that you have with others so they can have it as well. Um, you go out door to door, a guy looks at you, and the thing that convinces him that there's something that he needs, that he wants, but doesn't have at the moment, is your smile. It's as simple as that. He said you're small. So there's a joy that you've experienced with the Lord because you're walking with God, and now he finds it attractive as well for what he's seen in you, 
And based on that, he then buys a book as well. And the book was, was it Steps to Christ? Steps to Christ. Wow. Praise God. So it's not only what we say. It's not only where we go, but it's also God working through us and giving us an experience that is something that we by ourselves cannot manufacture, something Mm. that God manufactures in us through his Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Praise God for that. Well, that's exciting. Now, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but is there any other thoughts or any other stories that come to mind? You've been doing this now since, what, 2017, is it? Yes. You've been a few years that you've been doing this, 2018 being the happiest year of your life. If people want to do this, how can they get involved in this kind of thing? Have you got any words of advice for them? Mm. I think just start with whatever lies nearest, any opportunities Mm -hmm. to share Christ with people around you. Just take the opportunities, and it really is the most fulfilling thing to be able to talk of Christ and his love and to be able to see other people experience that for the first time is just priceless. Sometimes people are held back from sharing Christ simply because they have a fear of the way people would react or respond mm-hmm. and that. Um, you've told us many positive experiences. Mm. From time to time, there might be some experiences you just go, look, I'm not interested. But if you had any experiences that say, look, people have just been totally awful when they've realized that you're a Christian at all? There's definitely people that I meet on the doors who want nothing to do with religion. Mm. Maybe they've had a negative experience somewhere along the lines. But... I think for those people who are actually longing for Christ, it makes every rejection totally worthwhile because yes, Christ yeah. came and he would have been willing to come even just for a few people yeah. to accept him and experience eternal salvation and to be able to be like Christ's messenger and take So take you're just looking news. for those gems and yes. we know that God is working on every person's heart. We, we quoted John 1 verse 9 that Christ is the light that lights mm-hmm. every person that comes into this world. No doubt there's some people already responding to the Spirit of God. And as one of the first stories you told us, there's this lady said that she was in need and she Mm. was so excited. I mean, you were there at the right time, Mm. in the right place, and God had created that appointment for you, Mm. unbeknownst to you and perhaps even unbeknownst to her. You know, she had this need and you were able to provide. Experiences like that, you'd probably forget about all the challenges that there are from Mm. time to time and just enjoy those so much because you now – Changing lives one at a time by letting God work through you because you have love, joy, and peace in your heart, which is the promise of the Spirit. And there are other people now who, by getting hold of the books, getting into the Bible study, or just seeing the experience that you have with the Lord, are encouraged to have the same thing. Mm. So, dear listener, you are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest in the studio is Liesl Higgins, and she's been sharing her life story and how God has done wonderful work through her. He's actually taken her from a career in music and given her a career at this stage in missionary work with her husband. And they're working at the moment on sharing within the community uh, things around health, which is the whole person, which is not only you know your, your diet, it's also mental, it's the physical, but especially the spiritual aspects. And from there, uh, the plan is to grow a church plant. And there's been so many beautiful contacts that have already been made. So just stay tuned. We're just going to share our contact details with you. And we'll be right back after these messages. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 024973 or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. 
You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, welcome back to the program. We are glad that you stayed with us and took note of those contact details. My special guest in the studio here on By the Word of the Testimony is Liesl Higgins. And as we wrap up this program, Liesl, there are many people who have listened to this who want to have a walk with the Lord. Maybe they had one in the past even. And they now are suffering from doubt. Um, possibly based on what you said before, it may be that their eyes have gone of Jesus, maybe have gone to themselves a little bit, looking within themselves to be happy and they're not finding it. What would you say to people who are struggling with doubt at the moment? Mm. I think the advice that was given to me, just take your eyes off yourself, look to Christ. Mm. Take the Bible and you'll find in it so much joy and blessing. It's got promises for every desire and longing that the human heart has. Yes. And... It's something I've realized that money, success, popularity is never even able to partly fulfill the deepest desires of the human heart, but the Bible does. Hmm. And my advice to anyone would be just go to the Bible, read the Gospels, and the same Jesus there presented, full of mercy, lives today, and believe his promises. They're by my weight, and they'll definitely bear yours too. And definitely a life with Christ, a life in his service, is the sweetest and happiest. Hmm. So you found a beautiful experience in your walk with the Lord. You won't trade it for the world, I can mm-hmm. tell, just for looking in your eyes that uh, this is something real and special to you. And no doubt when you go and visit people at the doors from house to house, mm. they can see it as well as some of your testimonies have, have demonstrated. And I thank you for the encouragement of getting back into the Word. Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 31, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And then he says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, dear listener, we pray that God will continue to bless and guide you in your walk with him. May you also experience the joy of salvation through Jesus Christ by tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Thank you for joining us today on By the Word of Their Testimony. We look forward to catching up with you next time. God bless. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.